welcome to episode four of Never Seen, the podcast where we watch the films missing from our filmographies, those glaring gaps in our film education, the classic or immortal movies people are shocked we've never seen. So before we go any further, let me introduce you to my cohorts, my best friends. Please welcome Stacy. Hello, everybody. Aww. <laughs> Thanks. And Lee, will you choose a different welcome? Let's find out. Hi. <laughs> I'm Ed Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't. Oh, no, that doesn't work. Oh, no, doesn't work. Do you know what? You've got several work. episodes to figure it out. Yeah, it's okay. it's fine. we're gonna we're gonna go we'll get there. We could always do a poll when we've got enough episodes with different hellos <laughs> from you. We'll put a poll out on Twitter. <laughs> I'll do that's... howdy next time. Okay, well, don't give it away. Uh, no, I'll I'll save it for when we do a western. All right, so we want some, we want some surprises. Yeah. So some tension. This month, this episode, uh, it was Lee's choice. So Lee, what did we all watch for this episode? Okay, this. Uh, this month's episode is The Great Escape, which is a 1963 World War II prisoner of war movie directed by John Sturges. Uh, screenplay by uh, W.R. Burnett and James Clavell, based on a loosely based on a true story and based on a nonfiction book by... Uh, somebody who I can't find in my notes, <laughs> but never mind. It'll be, it'll be. I'll put it in the show notes. The problem is, I was watching it in the dark. <laughs> As being a civilized person, I watch movies in the dark, which mm-hmm. makes it hard to make notes. You have and... to get one of those like journalist pens that has a little light on it whenever you press it down. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it just makes it yeah. Doubly difficult, especially when I've got really terrible handwriting. But, um, you know, there are these things on our phones where you can write notes. So Paul that... Brickhill. There okay, there we go. Paul Brickhill. <laughs> who, well, edit that. Fix that in the edit. Make that smooth. I mean, will I, though? No. <laughs> don't do it. Make him look like a chump. Yes, basically. <laughs> I don't need help. Bloody gold. So, written by a non-fiction but by Paul, Paul Brickhill, who was an actual POW in Stellar Glove 3 during the escape. Um, he helped with the preparation of the, the, the tunnels and the preps for the escape. He didn't actually take part in the escape because he was claustrophobic and was seen as a risk, um, which, spoilers, probably saved his life. Um, so it's it's... It's it's one of my favourite movies, and it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty immortal, solid gold classic. Um, you've got an all-star cast, you know, Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, uh, Charles Bronson, Donald Pleasance, James Coburn, David McCallum, Gordon Jackson, just a string of names. And it's a big, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's almost... Um, like a follow-up to the Magnificent Seven, a bit of you know because two I think two or three years before, John Sturges had made a western called the Magnificent Seven, and that also featured Steve McQueen and um, Charles Bronson and James Coburn. So is and it was very much a similar tone, like it's a big ensemble cast. 
Is that also on our list? Because that's, uh, yeah, that's also okay, on. Cool. Yeah. I was just going to say because I've not seen it either. <laughs> I've not seen it. <laughs> so that yeah. So, so I was going to actually I was going to pick not to you know get ahead of ourselves. I was going to pick the greatest, uh, the Magnificent Seven later on, and I just thought it's with two. You don't want the two too close together because a, a lot of the, the stuff we'll we'll talk about today we'll kind of talk about you know John Sturges and. Stephen Quinn and so on would we kind of be doubling up so maybe leave that till later till you know year two or something but um let's, let's see how we so, get on with this one yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah 12 episodes under our belt without falling out so uh yeah so it's, it's one of my favorites it's kind of it's become a big although it's an American movie it's become kind of like a British institution, weirdly. Um, I think because a lot of the cast is British, because it's based on almost a, um, although it was an inter, you know, the the, the prison camps involved um, lots of different nationalities, uh, Americans, Canadians, various European, um, you know, Poles, um, and so on. It's it was it was it seemed mostly to be like a British thing. It was a lot of the most of them were RAF officers mm-hmm. who were in there. So it's become it's almost become like a bit of a, a much more of a British thing. It's become a big, which leads me on to how I kind of discovered the film. It's a big bank holiday type movie over here. It's, been, it's become like a, I don't know it, how it's how it's considered in America, but mm. over here it's seen as like a TV, you know perennial it's just shown you know you consider you know i think i said last time that you kind of need to watch it on like a bank holiday or boxing yeah. day for it, the kind f- of, it kind of fits in with like your mary poppins sound of music yeah. you know that they're, they're usually always shown over bank holidays and james bond of course that's it yeah yeah i think yeah very much in the, like that that kind of james bond certainly as a, as a boy you don't want to get all sexist this early in the show <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah it's, it feels like a very boys movie it yeah you know, with, with the capital B, and it's like a boys' adventure. It it's very much feels like a boys' war comic style. Mm-hmm. Uh, commando movie. type. Yeah. Not commando as you go, commando. Commando as no, no, comic title. Was, although, what is a fun fact? When they were actually in the real escape, and they uh, they'd all got their like their clothes, their escape clothes, but they they didn't wear those in the tunnel because they'd get dirty. So they basically crawled naked through the tunnels and then got dressed when they got out the tunnel. Um, but obviously, it being 1963, you couldn't have, you know, 75 naked mm. guys <laughs> crawling through a tunnel. I don't know that I'd want it now. Really? So, oh, yeah, I don't think I want it ever. It really. No. No. <laughs> so, so, but there you go so it's it's so i i would have i can't remember the first time i saw it because it would it just feels like i've always known it you know mm. i must have, i must have mm. been eight nine maybe maybe you know something like that so on tv i bound to have been a bank holiday or christmas or something like that definitely watched it with my dad because we you know me and my dad we used to he's a big war movie fan so you know as a kid i used to sit and watch all the war movies with him so it's 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 always been you know part of my like film education yeah um but it's but but you two neither of you two had seen it is that right that's right that's right yeah Yeah. so what 
did you know about it or what was your impressions going into it? Because I feel like it's one of those films that people know about before they even see it because it's been parodied so much. It's been, you know, ripped off so much in like uh, sketches and skits and comedy stuff. The theme music has been co-opted by football fans uh, and, and so on. So, so what were you? What were your impressions of it, and how were you aware of it? Um, well, I think I have a a glint of a recollection of something like the Ross Abbott show back in what sort of like the late eighties, early nineties, doing a skit yeah. similar to it, and people like Family Guy have definitely done it, mm. and I think Simpsons too. Um, obviously, the the theme music is just iconic. So, I've known that music before i knew what film or where it came from Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of how i know it um imagery wise i just always knew steve mcqueen in his like cut off gray sweater um on a motorbike that's that's the most visually I, i kind of knew of it really yeah and then of course first time i watched it was last night (laughs) <laughs> it just boggles my mind maybe it's a boy girl thing i don't know but it, kind it of might boggles be my mind. i mean you you know that war films are not the highest ranking on my films yeah. to watch i I, mean, I would imagine like war films and westerns are to you like musicals and and romantic yeah. comedies yeah i mean I, I will watch the odd war movie you know some of the more modern ones we've had over recent years mm. so um i would count schindler's list in that and yeah um saving private ryan which we've spoken about a lot and angers Mm. me often um (laughs) what else um oh gosh i want to is it 19 1917 thank you yeah i was about to say 14 and i thought that's not right Um, (laughs) which was a superb piece of film to watch in and of itself so i watched those and there are the odd westerns that i like especially when they're female-led westerns i think they're great bad girls and amity jane doesn't count Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I didn't. And so does Annie get your gun. And I didn't say either. I said proper westerns. Although some people would say bad girls isn't a proper western. Yeah. Well, quickly. I, I like bad girls. I thought that. I thought that was good. And I, I thought Andy McDowell was really, really good in that. Yeah, she was hot too. She, anyway, she, I did. Look, I didn't even mention hotness. I was behaving. You, yeah, it's it was me. Um, but when but it case, what was what was your um, what's your history with it? Well, like, I think I'm going to blow everybody's minds now and say that I knew basically absolutely nothing about it. Um, I knew the theme music. I, I think that would blow anybody's minds who doesn't know you. Yeah, that's that's probably true. That is, yeah. that is probably true. Um, now, I knew the theme music, but I had no idea it was attached to this film. Yeah. Um, as soon as it kicked in, because, you know, this isn't a spoiler. It literally kicks in at the start. Yeah during the credits i was like oh that's this and it really threw me because my only knowledge of the great escape is that it's a prisoner of war escape movie yeah. um so i had no idea about like, what the tone of it might be i didn't know who was in it i didn't know really when it was from so when that music kicked off i was like this feels t- like a tone i wasn't expecting mm. because yeah, that's so quite a jaunty bit of music yeah because it's a crack open your prisoner of war movie yeah because this, this is an interesting <laughs> thing from when we'd had conversations before uh, i think you dropped a little comment about oh i don't know if i'm gonna be you know 
enjoy this, mm. giving me the impression you thought it was going to be grim and yeah. depressing. And it kind of, if it had been, see, there's, a, there's an interesting thing. Um, I think both with real life and with movies, with with the kind of the war, World War Two in the in the European theatre, you had the you know the British versus the Germans, and there was kind of a civility there, and there was like almost like a common ground. So there was a degree of um, at times, not entirely, obviously, of certainly in the prisoner war camps. There was a certain amount of role playing, particularly the camps earlier on who were being uh, controlled by the Luftwaffe. There's a, there was a degree of um, mutual respect and um, consideration, you know, yeah, um, you know, the, the, the Red Cross parcels and so on were mm. delivered uh, with against the Japanese. It was a different thing altogether. So you can you, if you watch movies, prison war movies about German prison war camps, they tend to be a bit more. There's a bit more leniency there, or a bit more latitude to do you know lighter moments you don't get too many um humorous bits or humorous films about the japanese prison war camps because the conditions there were very very different and a lot Mm -hmm. more grim uh because the attitudes towards prisoners by the japanese was very very different um not to say that the you know the prison camps in with the with the germans were like a party but there was a definite um, you, you could there was a bit of joshing and stuff that went on. For example, they were they were saying after again not to get ahead of ourselves after the escape happened, certain things happened that were very grim, and mm-hmm. the relationship between the um, the British prisoners and the German guards changed after that, and it became a, a bit less of a a joshy relationship and a chatty relationship. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think it's interesting. Obviously, you know, the prisoner war movie is a whole subgenre of, of war movie. Um, and there's, I mean, The Great Escape certainly wasn't the first. Um, there's, you know, there, there'd been a whole bunch before. Um, um, Bridge on the River Kwai is probably the most famous. But there was um, a lot of British films um, like The Coldest Story and The Wooden Horse. And stuff like that that were very kind of documentary style mm-hmm. um there was stalag 17 which is a really really good movie by uh, billy wilder um that's about um americans in a in a german prisoner war camp that's very very good um but i think i think the great escape is probably the, the most popular and it's probably the most fun mm. um because i think it it almost doesn't exist as a war movie as you expect it's more like if it's almost more like a caper movie like a heist movie but in reverse Mm. so instead of breaking into a place to rob it this it's like a a big elaborate plan to break out and it 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 almost follows the rules of the caper movie more than the war movie so you've got the plan you got you know putting the team together you got creating the plan enacting the plan the plan goes wrong and then there's the the actual you know escape or or the heist itself and then you've got after that with everybody trying to get away and so on and whether they're caught or not but i i think it's just i think it's just a really kind of you know people have said it's not the most they take a lot of liberties 
with the with the historical facts. It doesn't pretend to be a documentary at any point. Yeah. Um, it is just supposed to be an entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 I th- <laughs> and I think it really sets that, that out from the get go. Like the, that first scene, like yeah. I said, the music kicks in and it's like, OK, this is this is this is a caper. This is an adventure. Um, and then the first scene where everybody's brought into the camp and immediately starts to try to escape straight away. And it's, it, it lays out its table and goes, OK, this is going to be a bit of a lark. Um, and I think and I think it is. So. So as newbies to it, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sensing there's, there's an atmosphere already. <laughs> So, I'm going to whip this band-aid off just real fast. I really disliked this film. Holy mother! <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, yeah. So you were right earlier when you said that I thought I wasn't going to like it because I thought it was going to be a grim, sad war movie. Um, and so. I was actually a bit relieved when it started and it was like a da 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 because I was like, oh, I'm in for a, a jolly caper of a time. The oh, how to oh, <laughs> please don't hate me for this, because <laughs> I love you. Um the, the the big stonker of an issue that I had is that um the so I understand totally what you're saying about the fact that, you know, they weren't trying to make a documentary about, you know, the conditions of a prisoner of war camp. And they do lay their cards on the table right at the start, you know, where the um, the prisoners basically say, like, hey, uh, we're going to try and escape and we don't even really care if we do it. We just want to sort of piss you off a bit and occupy your time mm. trying to catch us. Like, that's, that's all our aim is, is to, like, roll you up, lads. Um, but... I had a bit of an issue with the way that the camp is portrayed because nobody really, except one guy, and I'll come to that in a bit, nobody really has any, like, consequences to doing bad things. So, like, every time one of the prisoners is caught doing something they shouldn't, many times it's just a case of the Germans being like, you guys, go on, off with you, like, slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. And then... The other times they get put in the cooler, which doesn't even really seem to be that much of an issue because they seem to be able to take their personal effects in there. And also they can blatantly talk to whoever's in the cooler next door because there's a little window. So it's not even like solitary confinement. So for me, there wasn't really any like at one point the Germans even discover one of the tunnels they've been trying to dig. And then they still don't seem to spend any time or effort trying to figure out if maybe there's more tunnels or if <laughs> if they're doing anything else that's, you know, naughty that they shouldn't be doing. You know, that like at one point they brew a load of like their own moonshine and throw a Fourth of July party and the Germans are just like, oh, all right, pass us a cup, yeah? I mean, well, not exactly, like that, but you know what I mean? So I feel like if you're going to if you're going to put like a good and a good two hours of your movie into the boring minutiae of digging a tunnel you need to give me stakes and i didn't feel like there were any for over two-thirds of the film <laughs> so it bought and it lost me then by the two hour mark i was like when 
will this end? (laughs) (laughs) Because I was just like, I don't care what happens to any of them now. They could all get out and immediately die. And I won't even bat an eyelid because I'm just like, I've watched you dig a tunnel for seven hours, it feels like. I just thought, like, it was just it was just a legitimate slog for me because it felt like I feel like I say, I'm not expecting like a documentary about the prisoner of war camps. And like you say, the um, the, the sort of German ones were potentially not as terrible as the Japanese ones, but mm. like. I don't know, it feels to me like if you found, if you were a German and you found a tunnel that somebody was doing a dig of to try and escape your apparently inescapable plane, like they're just given so much autonomy of movement. Like there's just no, like it feels like nothing will happen if they get caught. So to me, it was like, eh. <laughs> like the whole impetus of it was just like, well, who cares? The Germans don't. <laughs> And I just, and then it just, yeah, it just lost me then because I was like, you can't spend two hours just digging like a, a, what seems to be an almost inconsequential to the Germans tunnel. Like, I, I can't, that can't be what the majority of this film is. And it is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lee. <laughs> well, you know, you're allowed to be wrong. Yeah, Fine. I am. And do you know what? So, I'm quite proud of it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's certainly, like, you, you know, obviously being, like, a guy in my 50s. So I, gr- I grew up with this, and I grew up with a lot of war comics and a lot of war movies. So mm-hmm. there's a, probably a lot of stuff that I take for red that isn't present on in the film. Yeah. So when you talk about, like, consequences and stuff like that, I kind of know automatically. It's like there's a lot of shorthand, I think. And I think the audiences at the time, because it only would have been like 20 years, 15 years or something after the after the end of the war. Mm. So people would be, you know, there's a lot of stuff like you don't need to tell people, you know, one of the fun things or one of the easy things about doing a war movie or, or particularly a World War Two movie is you don't have to explain why the bad guys are the bad guys. Mm and so on you know you, you kind of you kind of get that and like i say with a lot of um yeah with, with this kind of film there is probably a lot of stuff that's kind of skipped over and because it is supposed to be like an entertainment film they don't really dig into um like the harshness of the camps and stuff like that and let you know and and let just kind of go well you know we don't need to do that people know they're in a prison camp they want to break out um, you don't need to know anything beyond that. Um, and it is just about um, the, you know, the minutiae of the escape and, and the, and the, you know, the, the bizarreness of the escape and what they did by, you know, by digging the three tunnels and, you know, having to shore them up uh, all the way and all that kind of, how they, how they, you know, they hid all the, the dirt from inside the tunnels and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and mm. those kind of things, if you're not digging that, then there's nothing <laughs> there for you. you know? Yeah, there's I think no that... subplots. There's no, you know, romantic subplot and and mm. stuff like that. Although there are little sub stories in there, you know, um, about um, Blythe going blind and so on, and you know how um, they kind of scrounge up various bits and pieces and how they build an axe and build, you know 
bellows and, and stuff like that. Um, th- but it, again, if you're not digging it, then it's no pun intended. There's mm. there's there's nothing there for you at all. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the and I will pass this over to Jenny so that I can stop digging myself a hole, pun intended. Um, <laughs> once I've aired this thought i think the issue for me is that I, I wasn't necessarily expecting to see people getting like you know brutally punished but even to just have like the the sort of vague threat in the background of like they're doing i don't know head counts or a german person as like one of the german soldiers has noticed that a particular tool is missing or you know just something to mm. remind you in the background that there's actually stakes to this tunnel and it's not yeah. just two hours of digging like all yeah, we I needed think, that <laughs> yeah I, th- I think yeah i think it's because like say with the head counts and stuff that that's something that you'd have seen in a dozen movies before so mm. you don't need to to have that already you don't need to know about um yeah, about the head counting, and I don't know if it tells you that there's microphones buried um, to detect, you know, digging and stuff like that. Um, and like I say, you know, you kind of they're already in prison, so there's not a lot they could do um, to to punish them further. Like there was the, you know, say there's the cooler, the you know, solitary confinement, uh, and obviously stuff stuff did happen, and that you know, it does compress. Although it's like a three-hour movie, it does compress, you know, months. Of, of story down and compresses like 600 you know 600 people took part in the um in the escape uh, planning it and digging and stuff like that so they have to boil it down to you know although it's a large cast they boil it down to about 10 characters to have their own little bits and pieces but yeah i, th- I think yeah there's there's just I don't know. I, don't, I honestly don't know how to, to come at you with it. But like I say, it's just, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to change my mind. Yeah, no, I, I exactly, don't think. Exactly. Like, yeah, you don't, you um, don't it, you're not going to dig it. But it's, it's really interesting to me. Yeah. I just I, I felt I needed that context, yeah. like even just a tiny bit of, of context, because I feel like there's no, like I say, it just felt like there were no real stakes. And actually, and I genuinely, Jenny, I will let you talk. Sorry, but Lee keeps making me think of things um, like one of the the passage of time was one of the other things that bothered me about the film Mm. because um i don't know how they filmed it but there's no changes in the weather or anything at all during the film and so again it didn't feel like you know they've been slogging away at this terrifying plot to escape for several months and at one point they start singing like christmas carols to cover up the noise of them Mm. like doing something or other and i was like isn't it March? And I hadn't realised that, like, nine months had yeah, passed. In the film, it's July, basically, and it's it, it, and it's over the span of months, yeah, you know, a couple of months. Whereas in, in the film, it was over the span of, like, I think, in, in the reality, I think it was, it went over, like, oh, over a year, well, I think. I only found out because I had a look at the Wikipedia, and the Wikipedia says it starts in March... I want to say 43 or 44, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And it and they escape in July or August the following yeah. year. It must yeah. be after July the 4th because they have that party. Yeah, they have the July um, the 4th, yeah. Yeah, which comes after the Christmas singing. But, like, yeah, so I didn't get this feeling either through the Germans or through the passage of time that this was like a, you know, a nightmarish, painstaking thing that they were trying to do yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. months you, and months and months. Yeah, you definitely don't get... That. I think I think it passes at the pace that it was shot. If you know, yeah. what I mean. it's like yeah. it was clearly shot over several months, and that's the weather they got. 
Although, <laughs> although they kind of <laughs> they kind of shot themselves in the foot, no pun intended, in that when they when they started filming. So many puns in this episode. I, I know what. <laughs> when they started filming, they they like they went to Germany. It was all shot in in Germany, mm-hmm. so they could basically have the, have the Alps and the and the forest. They they were scouting around California, around Hollywood. And the like, the location scout came back and he says, oh, I found some pine trees. I found our black forest. And I went out and it was like six pine trees. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And I went, no, this isn't going to happen. Six trees does not a forest make. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was just, and it was like six of the spindliest, crappiest pine trees you've ever seen in your life. Uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna have to go. And they said, okay, we're gonna have to send some loca. And I think what what did it in the end? What made them move was they were gonna shoot it wherever they were gonna shoot it in the US. And it was like the the um the, the acting unions, the extra unions said no, you can't hire local um, local people to be extras. You've got to hire like you know union extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, which would boost up the budget because they'd have to, they'd have to be, you know, we, well, we're not going to fly in two thousand extras every day. Uh, so they said, okay, we just go to, we're going to go to Germany and do it, and it doesn't fall under, you know, the 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 actors' union rules. Then, and they just hired, you know, um, I think it was a bunch of American students at the, the at the Bavarian University or something like that, um, Munich yeah, University, mm-hmm. but. Um, but yeah, okay. So, so Jenny, I'm full out with Stacey. Yeah, we're no longer friends. Are you Are you going to take me on now, Jenny? <laughs> well, you see, <laughs> the thing is, with this film, it is. I mean, it had a great cast. <laughs> I messaged that to you last night. I said, wow, what a cast. It's a great cast. The yeah. young Dickie Attenborough, you know. Um, and, and, and then it, I'm laughing or I'm furious. <laughs> He's livid. He's livid. livid. The problem was everything that Stace has said about it. And then it really, really dragged. <laughs> I mean, and it was getting late, and I feel like I started the film just after eight o'clock. And I yeah, when you text me that, I was like, "Oh no, what are you doing?" Yeah, I, I, mean, <laughs> I was time. I thought this is an old film. It's probably going to be about what hour ninety minutes tops. <laughs> because I pressed the button to see how much longer I had to go through this, and I still had over forty-five minutes. And that was well after 10 o'clock. I thought, fuck, I've got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I was quite genuinely expecting you to text me the next day and go, can we put recording back? I was like, honestly. <laughs> uh, because I, I haven't got, finished it. I got through it and thought, you know what, I could I could stop now because my player will just pick up from where I left it. And I could watch it after work because I'd have enough time for 45. And I thought, nah, nah, nah. Finish it. You, you, you know, you got this far. It's like them digging the tunnels. I've got so far, I might as well get to the other end. <laughs> and to be fair, the last 45 minutes are probably the best 45 they, minutes. So the are, problem was I checked out by the time I got there. <laughs> it, that was the other problem. By that time, I was starting to fidget. I was starting to doom scroll on my phone a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote some notes. <laughs> there were things that I liked about it because there were actors I recognised and I had to write down 
you know, like your mum or your nan does, why I recognise them. It's like, oh, it's yeah. him. Oh, oh, da, 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 da. I can't wait so till I you had get to the 2001 check those Space Odyssey. That's, <laughs> that's going to be a riot. Oh, God. Well, you know how much I love Kubrick, so I really can't wait for that. Oh, just a total tangent for you. Rich yeah. is listening to a podcast where they're going through all of Kubrick's movies at the moment. So he was like, right, we've got to watch them all in order, which means by the time we record the 2001 episode, I will have actually seen it. But we can still do it because it'll be fresh and weird. Um, but we watched, is it Fear and Desire? That was like his first uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. So that's a little war movie. And the only good thing I can say about it is it's 60 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> it is bad. Oh, it's so bad. Don't yeah. ever watch that, lads. <laughs> that's somewhat an improvement on the running time of The Great Escape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm going to kill you both. He's going to crawl. He's going to hang up and he'll be crying. The thing is, like, I didn't, I didn't hate the film. Mm. I just didn't necessarily like it, but I don't regret the 50p I spent on buying it at a charity shop. Oh, I would have, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lee. I'm Even really like, sorry. I mean, my dad was like, oh, you're talking about one of my favourite films tonight. It's like, yeah, yeah. And my brother, he's like, you never seen it? No, that's the point of the podcast. Um, and also, <laughs> but also he said, so you weren't enamoured by it? Not really. Not even the bit where, uh, spoilers, and guys when we get oh, we should have said that story. yeah <laughs> spoilerific because this is so old that if yeah. you have been like us and haven't seen it then okay anyway my brother was like so that bit where steve mcqueen gets on a motorbike and he goes from like germany or whatever to switzerland in a space of 10 minutes you weren't just flabbergasted by that i thought no because i no. honestly hadn't cottoned on to that's what he had done no me neither i just thought he'd rode around a bit I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I also I also was a bit cross at that because I'd sort of as I was uh, as I was checking out of the movie I just started reading other people's reviews and let like um, Wikipedia entries about the film and stuff so I thought maybe I can rekindle some interest by reading something interesting about the film <laughs> I'm trying to watch and uh, and I read that actually that whole sequence with him on a bike is made up anyway in terms of like yeah, none yeah. of the escapees actually did that it was just no. because steve mcqueen was like put me on a bike put yeah. me on a bike because <laughs> he loves being on a bike it was his condition of doing the movie was you know i want to i want to show off my bike skills which were significant bike skills to be fair yeah, to be fair, when he jumps that fence, I was like, "Call boy, me!" But I well, think by that point, I was just grasping. <laughs> well, I, think that, I thought that was the bit. I, I thought I was brave for you to go right. You call that a stunt? Because I thought, well, I don't know how well that that ages. I I I think it's still a great stunt. But you know, when you've had stuff since that just goes over the top. And just piles mm-hmm. on and piles on. And piles. I think it's because that looked real, didn't it? Yeah. Like it wasn't like a he did seventy three loop de loops, you know. <laughs> like it didn't look like somebody had CGI'd like a bike whizzing through the air. Like it was literally like a man is doing something over a fe- like, you know, with a what looked like a fairly shitty old bike. Like I thought that was quite impressive. But again, oh, I think. Do you want to hear a fun fact about the bike? Well, go on. The yeah. motorbike is actually 
Fonzie's motorbike from Happy uh, Days. Hey. Later on, that bike became Fonzie's motorbike. I've never seen that either. Oh Jesus. oh, Jesus. I mean, that was just that was just after school watching at six o'clock on Channel 4. Can we ever do like a like a mini series of like TV related never scenes? We'll do that because that will be hilarious as well. See, now the thing with the jump is. I had obviously checked out and missed it and was looking at something else. Holy Jesus. Because the only bit. <laughs> Oh, maybe this, guys, you are listening to our friendship fall apart here. It is as I'm, we speak. I feel like I must have blinked and missed it because when I looked up and I was waiting for that moment, I really was waiting for it. And next thing I know, he's done a jump and he's crashed into all the barbed wire. And I thought, well, wh- what did you expect? Did you really think you were going to get through it? And I'm, oh, I've got, God. You know, I need, we, I've got to get a boy to help to join us. <laughs> this is no good. To be fair, like to be fair, when uh, when I told Rich that this was going to be the next film on our list, he went, "Oh," and I went, "What's that face?" And he went, "It's a man's movie, this." And he was like, "And I'm not trying." He says, "I'm not trying to be." He says, "I know what you like." He said, "I know that you like what people would traditionally, you know, potentially call like more sort of male movies." And I know you're not really into the, you know, chick flicks and stuff. He says, "So I know, you know, you're not one of the, you know, one of the ladies. You like, you know, blah blah blah." He says, "But I know what." you like i don't think you'll like this and i was like rich i'm trying to remain positive it's gonna be great i was like look at this look at this cast list how could we go wrong uh uh at uh, those words right up didn't i on a piece of toast the thing is it's like stasis says i felt i was watching it and i was like but this this war camp doesn't seem like half bad place to stay Mate, aside from the fact that they couldn't leave it, I was like, I've been it's, on like worse holidays, package yeah, holidays. Well, <laughs> it was very, it was very clean. You know, mm. looks like they had a veggie patch, although apparently that was the wire that you were not meant to cross. Although somewhere we had his baseball and baseball mitt. Okay, um, uh, but otherwise it seemed I, they, they seemed I, quite chipper about being there. I mean, when he comes trotting through after Steve McQueen's taken all the wooden slats out of the beds. And a bloke comes whistling through like it's a jaunty old day and mistakenly does a spring jump into the bunk and falls all the way through them. Classic comedy moment that fell a bit flat for me. But that's beside the point. It just. I will fight you both. (laughs) The thing is, is I, I do. I do feel like, you know, they got caught being in a tunnel and the Germans rush over to the hole where they go. They're all coming out from. And they're just pointing their guns at them and pushing them about a bit, but nothing else. And I'm sure they're all being very gentlemanly like, but I would have expected them to get a little bit shot. Well, this is why, again, spoilers. Um, obviously, you know, I think 76 um, prisoners escaped. Um, three got home and 50 were executed by the Gestapo, mm-hmm. which was a war crime. Shooting yes. prisoners is a war crime. I thought that might so, be the problem. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, again, with the with the Japanese camps, that went on a lot more. Mm. There was a, a lot more. Basically, you know, prisoners were starved to death and died from um, exposure from the heat and, and so on. Yeah. And were just left to rot, essentially. Um, female prisoners were raped regularly. Uh, mm. And it just wasn't there. There's no real room for levity or um, anything like that in, in 
if you were doing a film about like the Japanese prison camps, mm. um, where like I say, with with it being close to home and being more regulated by the Red Cross and the you know the Geneva Convention, uh, like I say, the Luftwaffe were in charge of the camps, so there was there was a lot more. Um, also, you have to bear in mind that this was an officer's camp. So all, all the all the prisoners were there were officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the enlisted men would go to another camp and they weren't necessarily. Uh, I mean, the, the prisoners were, were paid a wage. The officers were paid a wage, okay. not much of a wage, but they were paid a wage um, mm. for being prisoners. Uh, enlisted men didn't get that and were, were had you know, a bit more of a rough time, mm. but, but a prison is still a prison, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's um, the food wasn't great. They, you know, there's a lot of these details that you don't really get in the film because it's just taken for red that you're going to know that it's kind of shit and they're going to want to get out um, that, you know, they only got one hot shower a, a week. And mm. so um, and there was a lot of boredom going on. And one of the issues they had was, as it says at the start of the film, they basically put all the worst escapees or all the you know, the worst prisoners who were always escaping in one prison camp. So it was a new prison camp, specially built. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did look new. Um, and what what you got was a whole bunch of really clever, determined guys who were bored and had nothing to do, which is what you don't do because what they're going to do is start plotting and scheming amongst themselves mm-hmm. and i think i think there is a degree of obviously you know it was it was an unwritten rule but you know it was a like a, a rule that it was every soldier's duty to escape every officer's duty to escape mm-hmm. um that kind of changed after the 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 50 were executed and word got it going, it is no longer um, an officer duty to escape. You do not have to do that now. Um, but I've drifted. Sorry, I've gone. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, it's, but, so well, it was, you know, and yeah, I'll let you get, I've, I've completely drifted. But um, well, let's, yeah, let's, sorry, but we, let's bring it back and let's just let's just start hitting the film. Let's like go into uh, it um, from the top, because like Stace said, you know, as soon as you enter the film, the theme music starts, and like we've said, that feels like it's going to be a bit jaunty, a bit fun, a bit capery, um, and then it kind of doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. And then it, it kind of does, and then it kind of drifts. And, you know, you start meeting these characters. I have to say, I didn't, I did not connect with many of the characters. I found, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I've watched Maybe a couple enough. of yeah, I've watched a couple of Steve McQueen movies now, and he's rated very highly. Part of me wonders why. Oh. <laughs> See, now this is this is now this is interesting because this is one of the things I was um, going to ask you about because I think it, obviously it was a star-making film for Steve McQueen. Mm. This is this is the film that kind of he kind of he, he'd been in um, a few movies before. He'd been in The Magnificent Seven. And I think he kind of uh, he was basically known as a TV actor at the time. Okay. He'd, been in a, he'd been in a TV show called Wanted Dead or Alive, in which he played a you know a western in which he played a bounty hunter. So he was cast for the for the Magnificent Seven as a as a TV actor breaking into movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he kind of he kind of stole 
the show, you know, and I, I watch it and I, 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 although Steve McQueen is kind of like a, a very a man of the age, he was a very blokey, you know, a manly man. He was into his cars and his bikes mm-hmm. and and so on. Um, but I, I find him a very relatable action star. I don't generally go for the macho types. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and, and those guys. Um, so I, I like Steve McQueen because I think he's got he, he's he's got that everyman thing going on. Although I think he's got a real yeah I think quality to him. He, he kind of he steals the screen when he's on, you know. But I'm yeah. wondering whether that does that. It sounds like that didn't translate to you. I don't. It didn't for me because I feel like in this he was um, not really in it. It felt like he wasn't in it very much. No, he, definitely he wasn't in it very much. No. Uh, no, and when he is, he doesn't do a lot he sort of grunts a bit says a few words and goes off um but actually i felt the pool of talent that surrounds him in this film acts him off the screen completely mm-hmm. um with the likes of you know dickie attenborough james garner uh charles bronson james cove and all of those people yeah were su- in comparison with su- the superior actor um in the film and they just did they did just for me act him off the stage well yeah film rather um which you know for him to be poncing about on his motorbike because that's what he wanted to do (laughs) that's that's all fine and very american of him you know very american action hero whereas you've got james garner who's really playing his part well of like a con man sort of chancer type guy um but shows real compassion and such to his fellow man yeah in in the film as well so i I not said so that I related to him, but I felt more for his character more than I did for Steve McQueen's. Yeah. For Steve McQueen's, I, just, I got the impression sometimes that his character was not really bothered. Well, but, I mean, I think uh, he plays like, you know, he's the rebel character. I mean, it, it, he's very much the kind of he he kind of he's the spirit of the film. He's the he's the rebel spirit of the film. Uh, you know, where you've got your, you know, everybody's got their, I mean, they've, they've literally got their own nicknames, you know, the Tunnel mm. Kings and so on and Big X, you know, and the Scrounger and Dispersal and so on. And he's the, the Cooler King and his nickname, you know, Stephen Queen's nickname um, as an actor was the King of Cool. And that's his, uh, that was his kind of thing. He has, he's got that kind of detachment. But I, I think he does, for me still, certainly he kind of comes across as, kind of um likable with it he, he you know clearly i don't think that happened you know for you just, no i just but, um, but and i think i and i do wonder if that's like a you know uh, whether that's a generational thing whether that's well i i'm actually quite interested to hear jenny's thoughts on that because i um so the issue, the issue that i had was that i only i only liked sort of two of them and then the rest i thought were almost entirely interchangeable mm. couldn't tell you any of their names even what their functions were because i was just like i don't know who's this guy again now because they all just seem to be the same bloke um the only two i could go on to even a tiny bit was steve mcqueen because he was at least a little bit sort of uh 
sassy like he seemed to want to be ruffling some german feathers do you know what i mean Mm. Um, and like you know whenever they took him to the cooler he was so fucking casual about it like he didn't give half of a shit as long as it was annoying the germans kind of thing which i I quite like that about him but then the other one that i quite enjoyed was ives because he was the only one who seemed to have a personality and then he got shot shot quite early on yeah and i was like oh well there goes the one thing that was keeping me going. <laughs> well, the, fun, the fun thing about Ives, played by a Scottish actor called Angus Lenny, who um, was best known here for being in a soap opera called Crossroads during the 70s. <laughs> he played a chef called Shuey McPhee. So, so to see to see, to see Shuey McPhee from Crossroads do scenes against Steve McQueen. It struck me when I was watching it, going, "That's just so surreal." <laughs> that's that's like I don't like having somebody from Emmerdale turn up and do scenes against other Brad Pitt or something like that. You know, it was just very peculiar. But um, but yeah, I think I think, and I'm gonna fucking enjoy this film, and I'm gonna sing its praises as we go along. I don't care what you think. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the things that's really strong about the film is the relationship between um. Hiltz and and Ives mm. and I think it's because they're so different um that that, that, that I think that comes across in the, in the uh, on screen that I they, genuinely they, can't remember which one Hiltz is oh. Hiltz is Steve fucking McQueen oh okay oh my god <laughs> Jesus Christ Stace I did honestly there would see this is another problem that I will have is that I am very bad with names and faces and things so that and them having nicknames on top of that, that's not going to help me. I'm going to forget. Like, I, the only I, I, ones I, I, I could keep track of was the, like, two German ones, because they had the German names. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes you might have to say the actor rather than their character name, because I, 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 so. I didn't hear or pick up their nicknames yeah, or their actor names half the time. I don't think I knew that he was Hiltz, like, no. at all. Wow. <laughs> the thing is though i agree like uh steve mcqueen does stand out because he is the most handsome man there and the one who gives less of a shit than any of the others apart. i don't know man james garner yeah. and he's turtleneck james garner was pretty turtleneck they got to pick their own costumes when, yeah. when they were when being fitted and he just oh, okay i love this and apparently steve mcqueen was very envious of of the turtleneck, he so wanted, I wore he it from the turtleneck, and he kind of salt about it a bit. And uh, James Garner said, "Oh, if you'd have just asked, <laughs> I'd have given it him, you know." Yeah. But he, you know, he could have had it. But yeah, I, I thought that was that was a funny little story from um from the shooting. The, but the, I, you know, I I couldn't stop watching um like Dickie Attenborough throughout because it was such. I mean, I briefly texted Lee about it last night because it was such a different character for him to play that i've ever seen him i know he's played a serial killer once in yeah. a film a while ago which i yeah. haven't watched um, that, but i know um, it. yeah i can't think of it now but no uh, but yeah but he, for this he, where he's yeah. he's he's not he's not playing an evil character he's just playing a character that's um very motivated very angry um forceful and normally he's what i've seen him in he's quite the opposite of that He's he's not playing playing the teddy bear at all. No, and you're kind of used to him playing. I mean, he even it's it's it is definitely unusual for him. I mean, he did a whole bunch of war movies before this and a whole bunch of stuff afterwards. Mm. Um, but it is very 
a very different role. He, you don't often see him playing the, the tough guy role. He's really playing like a bulldog mm. character with this. Um, and it's very unusual to see him um, to, to play like the alpha male type. And they, um, they, yeah, because I came across as um, almost almost stereotypical kind of Brits in a wartime movie where it was very not necessarily stiff upper lip and all that, but but very. Um, oh, my train of thoughts just left the building. Um, <laughs> no, they were just playing. I thought they were just playing a very typical kind of Brit where it was, um, you know, keep calm, carry on. We're going to get out mm. of this and. You know, we're we're British. We don't we get back up again, dust ourselves down, and and, and go on. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought the majority of the Brits in this film um, were were played that way as well. Yeah. Um, Scots too. Whereas the sometimes I felt the Americas, both James Garner and Steve McQueen, were playing it very cool, very kind of what can we get out of it. Um, and chill. Not that they didn't want to get out just as much as the others, but they just had a very different, more kind of, I think, relaxed way about them. I felt yeah. like the Brits they, were a bit more. The the Americans to me felt like they were trying to push boundaries more. Yes. Uh, yeah. In general, and like sort of yeah, like I say, like ruffling the feathers. Do you want to hear a space factor that's probably going to make you angry? Okay. <laughs> I just did a little Google while you were talking because I was like I'm not sure I've seen Richard Attenborough in anything other than Jurassic Park and you know what I was correct I haven't (laughs) 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 I knew that would go down like a lead balloon (laughs) and a whole other you know whole other page of our spreadsheet just opens up (laughs) It's like we've got a Hitchcock season on the horizon. Now we've got a Dickie Attenborough one. (laughs) Why am am I allowed to have a podcast? I wonder. Because you talk about the things that we don't discuss here. Like, you know, let's go watch She-Hulk and everybody go watch Triple R because saying RRR sounds stupid when I say it. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it does when I do it too. (laughs) (laughs) Tangent. Anyway. But, yeah, um, what else did I note down? Uh, oh, yeah. I was watching a scene where McQueen was chatting with the German soldiers and I mm. could not help but uh, think of and call back to Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I, where I, I discussed yeah. that section. because yeah. I, I mean, I do love that film and they, they did do a, a very lovely job of um, putting that I've, little bit together. I, I've not seen that. <laughs> I was just heavy sighing. I don't no, think that came what, through. You know, what, what confuses me, Stace, is I know you watch tons of movies. Movies all the time. I tell so you what. what the, are you watching? Well, I tell you what the problem is. Right. So I watch a lot of things that come out like now so that I can review them on the on the parlor, which, you know, that that makes sense. And like, obviously, I'm interested in movies that are coming out now. But when I when me or Rich have time to like, you know, watch a film that's not recent what we'll do is we'll find a film we want to watch and then realize it's not streaming anywhere and then spend about an hour and a half fiddling through the various streaming services we have trying to find something anything to watch and then end up watching like a like a two-star horror movie from the early noughties (laughs) that's almost always yeah because I've seen your what what is it the app you use the Uh, letterboxd Letterboxd. I've I've seen your letterboxd 
the screenshots. And I'm just thinking, why are you watching all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Have you no kind of can't you tell from the title or the poster mm. how bad these movies are? Well, so I was going to say sometimes it's out of sheer morbid curiosity. Sometimes it's because I don't know anything about it, and sometimes it's because I'm listening to a podcast that's about to talk about it, so I kind of have to watch it. Um, I get but, that. Yeah. And some, sometimes, like the dreadful movies we get now, which which really you could class as like B movies in today's standards they might be dreadful but goodness me can they be fun to watch oh yeah absolutely and, and laugh at. Yeah. but watched- it is baffling to me that I've seen like I don't know the lowest rated horror movie that's on letterbox just because we were like well we've got to watch it now we've figured out what it is and it is bad it is clearly made by somebody on a phone in their work car park after hours it's bad uh, it's called intuit if anyone cares to watch it um <laughs> But like, yeah, it's baffling to me that I've seen things like that and not more Richard Attenborough films like this, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> or like you know, 2001: A Space Odyssey, which arguably is a film that should be up my alley. Should yeah. be. Uh, yeah, but uh, then, yeah, I've not watched it either. But you know, that's that's what we, you know, it's why we came together and I said, hey guys, yeah. hey, let's, let's fill these gaps. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and here we are with. With another one that it turns out sort of split the group a little bit. <laughs> only I mean, took, only to took fair, three films to do it. To we've we've done quite well so yeah. far. This is our first real disagreement, I think. It is. Do you know? Do you know? I was. This is going to sound so pathetic because you are both like you know some of my best friends. I was genuinely so nervous about this recording that when I was having the anxiety sheets last night, I wasn't 100% sure it was because of the job interview I had today or this. <laughs> I was very worried that I was going to go, well, I borderline hated this. And then Lee would go, I wish you were dead. And then hang up. Like, um, but I, I, well, I, I have think... written down on my pad, I wish Stacey was dead. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> say that, obviously. <laughs> But, you know, in all seriousness, though, the nice thing about our friendship is we can say, no, nah, I didn't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's OK. I mean, you at know. least nobody's recording it. No it's one's just between, not, it's just between us. It's just between us. We're not putting out in public. And, we, yeah. you know, we're not Lee gonna... never has to relive it again, like us <laughs> talking about how shit we thought it was. No, no, exactly. And it's all it's all fine, really. You Ooh. know, there'll be absolute piss taking and right bollocking given. But, you know, yeah. friendship. Yeah, um, friendship friendship i will say in defense of this film and the reason why i didn't actually full-on hate it was that that last sort of 40 to 45 minutes was like for the most part genuinely tense i say for the most part because i actually think steve mcqueen piddling around on a bike went on a bit too long and i was like somebody catch him fucking hell (laughs) 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 but um there's only so much man on a bike in a field i can take i'm sorry but like having the sort of split narratives of like you know this guy these two guys running through the town and like these guys trying to get on a boat and like these guys trying to do this and it was like oh this these are the stakes i was after like mm. two fucking hours ago um, you know, that's there's that scene where um it's james coburn and we'll do a little a fun silly fact with him in a moment but james coburn when he's in at that little cafe yeah. And the German soldiers around the table and they're like, uh, the, the waiter's like, oh, there's a phone call for you. But I have to say, before that came along, I was a bit concerned. I thought, oh, shit. You know, when he was when he was stood up talking on the phone, honestly thought he was the one who's going to get shot. 
Yeah. And then he, then he noticed what the other two were doing behind the bar and thought, that's a good idea, um, and ducked down. And then, of course, they're the resistance. And then I couldn't help but think of a lower low. But <laughs> I've also never seen that. <sighs> well, with a low, I'll let that go. I'll let, yeah, that, I think, go. I think that's I'll let that go. I've heard that hasn't aged well, which is it, it, why I haven't watched it. <laughs> what, what's interesting, because like, I remember watching it when it was first broadcast and finding it funny for the first time couple yeah. of series you know and then like a lot of sitcoms it went on and on <laughs> and on and on and they, and like the the running gags from like series one are still there in like series nine ten and stuff yeah. like that and it and it just becomes like a parody of itself but i i watched a while back it was repeated on one of these um gold channels or whatever it's called you know and i watched it and i was like this is so much more adult than i remember it being when i was watching it mm. age 12 or whatever it was the amount of like fishnet stockings wow. and garters and stuff <laughs> so much, there's so much filth it's like oh my god but um, the lady with the big boobies but yeah all that kind of, yeah but like i mean it is just just ridiculous and you think and this was going out at like seven o'clock Mm, oh. family viewing <laughs> yeah it was family viewing and it was but it but it was it's a strange one because obviously what most people don't realize about hello, hello and i realize we've drifted but all my notes <laughs> have gone in the bin now i can't because you didn't like it i've got nothing i can you, I, no you, way i can introduce you can you can come back good? you can come back to debate and say wasn't this good and we might have thought it was good those might have been so, the kernels we thought were great i mean if you didn't like Steve McQueen on his motorbike. I think well. I think he's done. <laughs> so, it, but yeah, so what I was saying, oh yeah, so the thing about Hello Hello is was it was it basically it was a parody of um a series called Secret Army, which was a very serious drama mm. about the French resistance. And Hello Hello came out, which was a, a specific um parody of that series. That's now become forgotten. Secret Army's basically become forgotten, and, and and like you can literally like if you Google Secret Army and hello hello and compare the characters, they're clearly ripoffs of the same. They're the same characters. You know, it's the same cast. Only once, you know, you know a carry on version. You know? I honest, honestly thought that you were going to say that hello hello was a spoof version of The Great Escape. <laughs> I was going to have so well, many questions. I mean, so I'm, many they're questions. sure to have been you know some kind of parodies in there because the greatest game has been parodied so much do you know what i did what i did love in the great escape which i thought was hilarious and moderately clever was when um dickie attenborough and his partner whose name i forget were getting onto the bus and a german uh, officer was going through their papers yeah and he was saying goodbye and all this blah 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 and then he just said to him in English, good luck. And he's like, oh, thank you very much. That's like. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, but, well, that's, but brilliantly played. Yeah. yeah and and, and it's like, you know, it's set up early in the film as well, because you see uh, Gordon Jackson, who, yeah. uh, again, another famous you know, TV actor, mostly. He was best known for um, the professionals and for Upstairs, Downstairs. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, so but uh, but uh, like, again, I think that was one of his, if not his first, but certainly one of his earliest Hollywood mm. movies, because he'd done a lot of British movies before then. I think yeah. he, I think he, he was almost like a, maybe not quite a child actor, 
but he certainly started young i think he was a yeah. teenager or something like that but yeah so that was obviously that was set up earlier on because he's in charge of security and stuff like that yeah um but obviously that's one of the things that's taken from real life that mm. actually happened that was um just don't get uh, me wrong like um when the two of, he and dickie attenborough's characters are eventually uh, recaptured mm. um you know and then then, then and they're part of the 50 that are mm. executed by the um gestapo of course that makes you angry and pisses you off mm. because it's like just you, you, you almost just want to say why but at the same mm. time it was a, a despicable part of that war yeah um, i mean it was it was well. literally hitler having a tantrum yeah yeah um, because obviously it was such a big it was literally like a huge escape you know most yeah. escapes would be one or two people but it was like so 72 have, was it to, and to it's, have 76, uh, 76 people yeah. escape you know yeah. and it was only by again by virtue of like accident that it that it didn't go you know that more didn't escape mm. uh, there were there were um collapses in the tunnels during um during the escape i think there was at least two um one took an hour to clear and another one the second collapse took half an hour to clear yeah. which just shows how long they were actually escaping i mean from. those looking at i know if stacy felt this as well but you know watching them although watching them dig the tunnels could be boring as balls but when they had like those little cave-ins or things when those happened mm. it's the way they filmed it and showed it on script so um debilitating in its claustrophobic mm. well that's, it, that's it. interesting because one of the things i was thinking of when i was watching it was how kind of not claustrophobic those scenes are the tunnel mm. scenes because it's shot clearly from the side yeah um so obviously they've got a set with an open side yeah to it. whereas you know so they could film stuff now apparently those were built literally to scale they had uh, a guy called wally floody who was one of the pow's he was actually loosely the character that charles bronson's character was based on okay um so he was he was the tunnel king again he didn't take part in the escape because he got transferred out mm. uh, just before the escape happened um but he was he was basically he was on there as one of the reasons that it actually got made um was the guy who wrote the book whose name i've already forgotten uh paul so Brickhill. okay so um he'd um obviously he wrote the book and he was very reticent about having it licensed to, to become a film because he didn't want to be seen to take advantage of mm. his friends who died he i think he said he'd got I think it was at least four of his best friends were executed. They were in the 50. Yeah. Um, and one of his conditions for it to be made was that, um, uh, that, that, that they'd be as you know, faithful or as little as possible. And one mm. of the conditions was that they'd hire somebody to be a, an expert. And that was this Wally Floody. And he, um, he so that those the actual de- as it says in the title card at the start of the film the actual details of the escape are pretty much spot on mm. there's a lot of hollywood invention for you know for example none of the characters in the film are named the real names of yeah. the characters the people who actually did it yeah. they're all amalgamations of a bunch of different people yeah. you know um and i think even although it's not on screen at any time I think in the script that the, the camp isn't Stalag Luft 3, which is what it was in 
real life. It was called Stalag Luft Nord, I think, or something like that. So they, they very carefully just went, no, this isn't, although it's inspired by real events, this isn't a documentary. But, uh, but they were saying with Wally Floody, he was on set all the time and he was talking, you know, he helped them, de- you know, design the compounds and stuff like that and where the towers would be. And he'd got blueprints that he'd, he'd done from when he was in the camp and he was saying that you know they they originally built the tunnels the sets with the tunnels in and they were too big and he said it was only and he started crawling through them and it was only when he started to get stuck and his shoulders were brushing he said okay that's the right size now and he said he could tell that they were when they were starting to get it right because he started to have flashbacks and nightmares so that was when he could tell you know that they were actually getting the stuff right was when he was walking around and feeling like he was there mm. uh, and there's there's an interesting story about it obviously it, it was shot in uh, in germany which is now poland due to changing borders okay um and they they were filming they got permission and like um they hired a lot of you know the, the germans in the in the film are real germans mm-hmm. um a lot of the people a lot of the act i mean most i think most of the actors in the film had certainly been in the forces in, so, in some description. Mm. Um, several of the actors had been POWs in real life. Um, for example, um, Donald Pleasance um, had been shot. He was in the RAF and had been shot down and had been in a, a prison of war camp and had been tortured by the Gestapo. Mm. And during the filming, he made a few suggestions to, to John Sturgis about what would be real and what would be wouldn't. And, and John Sturges, you know, very politely said, uh, thanks, but um, I don't need your opinions. But, you know, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. And, and another and another actor, I don't know who it was, took John Sturges aside and said he was a POW. He knows what he's talking about. You might want to listen to him. And uh, from then on, John Sturges basically hung on his advice about what was going on and, and about the Gustavo and so on. Um, Charles Bronson also was a minor as a child. He was n- not a minor OR, he was a minor ER as well. And <laughs> he would also, he also gave advice about uh, how they would get the, get the dirt out and pass it down and stuff like that. And mm. he suffered from claustrophobia in real life as his character. So there was very little acting involved. Because yeah. uh, he was having flashbacks to when he was down coal mines and and suffering cave-ins and stuff like that as well. So there's 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 an awful lot. I think it's one of those things where you kind of assume there's a lot of Hollywood um, showbiz stuff and embellishing, like yeah. And and then, and there is a lot. You know, it, it has to be said. Like the what, what I found interesting because I just assumed. Yeah, you know, I I knew about the the details of the escape, and I knew that there were no Americans involved in the escape, um, in the actual escape. There were Americans in the camp, but they were transferred out about seven months before the um, before the escape. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons they actually shut down one of the tunnels. You know, there's a bit mm. where the Germans find one of the tunnels and they. They said, OK, we're going to shut those down and, and just do the one. Um, well, the reason they did that was because they wanted to have the escape before. They knew the Americans were going to be transferred out and they wanted to be able to do it so the Americans could escape. But the, the Americans ended up, ended up getting transferred out before um, before they could, uh, sooner than they, they thought. 
so there's this and you find out that there's a lot of a lot of the stuff you assume would be fake was actually true and a lot of the stuff you kind of assume will be true turns out to be not true so obviously nobody uh, in the escape no germans were actually hurt or injured or killed in the escape obviously it's an action movie so they have to do a bit of shenanigans points yeah. yeah. and so on um and also, I found, I just assumed that the the scene where James Garner and Donald Pleasant steal a plane mm. and escape, I thought, I thought, oh, that's just pure Hollywood invention. They just want to do, they want different, they want, you know, each one of these threads of these escapes to be a bit different, unique. exciting. Yeah, uh, you know, you got the train, you got, you know, a boat, you know, mm-hmm. plane, trains, and automobiles, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and although that wasn't, that didn't happen, they, they steal in the plane. For this escape, I, it, there, there was another escape, and I can't remember if it was before or after now, where that basically did happen. That they were caught. Okay. Did you, somebody just break wind? No, <laughs> no, no, it was, no, it was my chair moving. Uh-huh, honest, uh-huh, honest, uh-huh. it was my chair. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I, uh-huh. I try to mute when I break wind. <laughs> See, Stacey. Jenny mutes when she breaks wind. I was going to say, Lee, there wouldn't be a question about it if I had. You would know. <laughs> you would absolutely know. So, um, but it, yeah, so it's 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 quite interesting to to you, when you see, um, that, like I say, I, I it never occurs to me really that you think about oh, yeah when you see films from, like I say, this was made in sixty. What did I say? Sixty three. It was released. Yeah. Filmed in sixty two. Mm-hmm. So it was only about. 16 years 17 years after the end of the war mm. and you thought well, counting back that's not even you know that's less than the millennium was away from now yeah it's pretty fresh really so it? yeah it's be really really fresh um and so it's kind of yeah so it so it, it's it's well, you know i, I kind of see it as, as as a um obviously as, as a like a permanent fixture in, in my you know mm. so, but you know but you think about yeah it would have been um at some point these things are no you know which quite strange but anyway well, sorry, i've drifted again i did i did spend <laughs> a little bit of imdb time yeah. uh double checking names of actors i was like i recognize you why do i recognize you um and i was looking up i looked up james coburn i was like mm. i'm pretty sure you're not actually australian and of course oh yeah he's not really question i mean <laughs> worst australian accent ever mate uh, yeah but, yeah but interesting because i wondered what else have i seen him in now i know, I know i've seen him in sister act two back in the habit great film um i will not sit here and let that comment go past <laughs> when, when you slagged off the great escape and now you're singing the praises of sister act two no problem. it was a fun film <laughs> I liked it. I, um, I have completely picked the wrong people. <laughs> but here's, but here's regretting this podcast decision there. It is, yeah. But my fun, my little fun fact about James Cameron, I didn't realise until I read it on his IMDb, was that he was the voice of Loot and Plunder in Captain Planet, the big bad. Oh. I didn't know that. And I thought, well, that's cool. Ex- excellent nerdy brownie point for you, Mr. Coburn. Um, and then, of course, I, I know um, David McCallum from NCIS because he plays Ducky. Yeah. In that. It, it, sometimes it reminds me that we are completely different generations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
was just going to say as well, like, I think this is a bit of an indictment of the movie that what Jenny's doing here is just listing other places she knows the actors from. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like my nan or my mum. Oh, what do I know him from? I know I know him from somewhere. What is it? Oh, that's it. Yeah, the hospital programme. Which one, though? Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's literally sometimes how I watch a movie is that I will see someone's face and think, I know you. Why do I know you? And then I probably missed 10 minutes of the film trying to think why I know that person whilst I'm blankly looking at the yeah. screen and they're doing things. It, it is a really bad habit I've gotten into to mm. you know, Google people while I'm yeah. watching it when you just have that thing. Oh, I know that face. Where have I yeah. seen that? IMDB the film, go through the characters, yeah. and then I find them. It's like, ah, yes, that's why I know you. Uh, but, I mean, I knew who David – I didn't know David McCallum's actual name, but I knew I knew him from – because aside from getting older, he hasn't changed that much. And I did actually – I really felt for his character in mm. The Great Escape because he was so close to getting away, even though he knew he could be easily spotted by the, the German officer that was looking for them. Um, but I did, yeah, I did get a little, a little twinge in the old, in the old heart when he got shot when he was running away. Well, he, here's a fun fact. Um, there, there, obviously, there's no women in the in the film, and when it was being uh, shot, the uh, or made rather, not shot. Um, the uh, the I think United Artists, I think um, promotion department wanted some you know we're gonna have a hard time selling the fact that it's an all-male film um and there was i mean it just shows you oh, the sign of the times they wanted david mccallum i said could it be possible for david mccallum when he gets shot to fall in the arms of a buxom german lady <laughs> with, with with a big leggy slit up her skirt and oh, a low cut top and he could die in her lap uh, Imagine if that was the only woman in the film. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. and she makes it on the poster for that reason. Oh, oh she would be on the poster, absolutely. If you look at some old post, like and her, watch... her her tits would be three times the size, <laughs> and the split up the side of her skirt would be up to her hip bone. Oh yeah, right the see, I mean, you get that now. I mean, you you studied film posters and you yeah, know, yeah, you, you know, do. I mean, it always makes me laugh whenever you see like a big comic book movie or a big action movie, and they'll always stick a car. It's like we've got to have a car on the poster because there's a. There's you have a, to know it's exciting and there's chases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They know that there are, you know, well, the Bond movies, everybody talks about the car. So we'll stick a car on the poster because there's a big, apparently, there must be a big part of the movie going audience that really want to see the car. So it, it's that kind of stuff where you just go, why, why is there a car on this poster? So it's, um, but yeah, but fortunately, John Sturgis just just stepped on that and just went no because they were i mean it gets worse because they were playing to have like an open audition for for, for sexy young german actresses and have like a, a miss uh, prison camp competition to see who and oh. he just no fuck that no wow just that's just that's awful but, on so yeah, many levels just, yeah yeah just, just nasty but um yeah so sorry carry on you were talking oh, no, about no. <laughs> No, no, I think I was done with I know him from MCIS. So. Okay. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, so, so, yeah, obviously my generation know him from The Man from Uncle. He was Illy Kiriakin in The Man uh, from Uncle. I've never seen it. No, me neither. 
to be fair, <laughs> that was not repeated on telly for me to notice. Really. Yeah, it's yeah, it was kind of like a perennial, and then it kind of disappeared a bit. So I if, guess, if it yeah. wasn't around like Star Trek: Land of the Giants, yeah. that kind of thing, I probably wouldn't have seen it. Yeah, uh, uh, and like I'm mean, obviously James Garner was was probably best known. I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, he oh, I know, of, yeah, I he really came into stuff. his. I think I think he became like to the peak of his career when he became old really yes. i think he really took off as an odd guy but he was kind of best known for a long time for the rockford files which was a tv yeah. series a detective show during the 70s because didn't uh, he do some he did westerns as well didn't he but i agree his he really came into his own in his older years yeah whether film or tv because he did um did a comedy sitcom series for a few years that i've forgotten the title of but it had katie kuoka in it and katie oh, as a yeah. man yeah. But they, they were in that. With John, it was with John Ritter until John Ritter passed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I yeah. So like James Coburn, he was another one though that I recognised and I thought I just I just couldn't place the name mm. until I, until I looked up because he was a handsome man in his younger years. Well, Very I mean, I thought you might know Garner from um. He did he did a couple of films. He did, he did before this he did a lot of like rom coms and he did a couple of films in Doris Day. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So although this this kind of like put him on the map, this kind of mm. made him. I can and understand he, he, and he why. Is just a stunning guy, really. He kind yeah. of. Yeah, because he looks stunning, but also the part he played was really good. It was a really good role. Yeah. You know, with his pinching the wallet. Because basically, because he was in the forces and he was in the Korean War, mm. and he was basically the stranger for his unit. So yeah. he he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew all the tricks. Um, and stuff like that, you know. Um, and one of the things I wanted to mention actually was, I think one of the, one of the highlights of the film for me mm. was uh, his relationship with with the German guard, yeah, uh, Werner, yeah, who's and that their kind of little thing, their kind of like fake friendship thing that goes on, pseudo thing that goes on. Yeah. Um, now uh, John Werner was played by uh, Werner was played by uh, an actor called Robert Graff who was a, um, a quite a well-known German actor. I mean, a lot of the Germans in there were, were actors. I mean, for example, there was the guy, I can't think of his name now, who was the one of the, the guards. And he was he's kind of like the, the baddie guards, you know, the stern guy. I think he's the guy who's over the tunnel and he discovers the escape. He was best known in, in Germany for, like, uh, musical comedies <laughs> and stuff like that. So he's like the Fred Astaire type actor, you know. But um, but Robert um, but um, uh, Robert Graff was he was quite interesting. I did when I, I read it because I didn't I thought I thought he was really good and he had a lot of screen presence. But I thought, well, has he been in anything else? And apparently, he died like about three years later after the film came out. Uh, oh wow! From cancer. But wow. what was interesting was he he hadn't got. I'm not sure which one it was because I looked, but he was missing a shoulder. He got a, a metal shoulder. Um, so it said it was quite. James Garner was saying he was an interesting guy, saying that he was basically, you know, disabled. He was German speaking really good English. He was really funny, had yeah. really good timing, and, and it was really tragic that he he died so young, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I enjoyed their little their little bits together. Yeah. Um, like I say, especially when he, it was, um. Basically pickpocketing through his wallet to get the papers yeah. and things, and then 
him coming back saying he's lost his wallet. All, all those little moments were really nice. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I think in part me saying earlier I didn't really connect with any characters. I think that's unfair because I obviously did fall for um, James Gunn. James Garner, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, I fell for his character um, quite a bit. It helped that he was handsome, but it was just, he was just, <laughs> but that's being superficial. He was actually just a good character and he's a, he was a very good actor. Yeah. Very good actor and played the part brilliantly. It is, it is it's interesting um, to see, because it's, it's funny with James Garner, like I say, he was kind of best known for, for TV later, but I, I, like I, say, I don't think his, his career really took off until he became like a veteran kind of character actor mm. which later but he's clearly got lead looks you yeah. know and he's clearly got you know you know lead talent you know yeah but, yeah it's um, in- interesting that the 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 actors and actresses who didn't who didn't get picked up to be more of what they could be considering mm. they were just as good looking as you know some of the top rated uh actors at the time because i would honestly say that garner was a better actor than mcqueen Oh, it, I mean, he definitely was. I mean, yeah. there's, there's interviews you can see interviews where he discusses it, and he'll say, "Yeah, you know, McQueen wasn't. He basically played himself." Yeah. So yeah. he, um, you know, he was he was he was a star more than an actor, and he, yeah. knew it, you know, he was he was playing himself. He was a rebel in real life. He he escaped from reform school for stealing hubcaps. <laughs> he joined the navy and yeah. jumped ship. In, you know, in they literally pulled into a dock in i don't know taiwan or something and he just fucked up so it was you know so he was he was really just playing himself a lot of the time but he did have like but he had the screen presence he said once you know i mean there's, there's, there's stuff we can maybe talk about if we do do magnificent seven in the future about his rivalry with your bringer in that film mm. they were they were there was a lot of ding dong backward and forward trying to steal the scenes oh yeah uh, i can in that imagine film. there was a lot of that going on so, so so like with with great escape uh one thing i always try and listen out for when i'm watching movies is the score and the underscore mm. and apart from the running theme all the way through i don't know about you stace but did mm. you really pick out any other score because i found it a very quiet movie and i think that was part of my problem as well um i mean i did so <sighs> <laughs> I, I, I did notice like bits of score um, and I would say, uh, what's the best way to word this? It is a good score for a different movie to me okay. in, the, in the sense that I enjoyed a lot of the sounds that I heard and I would probably listen to the soundtrack, you know, independently of the movie. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think the score was what was not helping me you know, recognise the stakes of the film because it's very like la 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 do 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 like it's <laughs> it's just having a jolly old time roaming around the orchestra and I was like I feel I feel like there's no sense of urgency and it was only again in the last sort of forty minutes where it picked up a bit mm. for me where it 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 sort of did start to feel like uh oh there's consequences lads did you did you <laughs> get kind of used to a score indicating what your emotion should be well, that's, I think that's the or what's I, happening I think the film tonally just didn't work for me and I think yeah. you know obviously I'm not gonna say to people don't watch this but like I couldn't say it was a crap film absolutely because not, it no. absolutely isn't yeah. but but to me 
tonally it just didn't work because it felt like it was trying to tell quite an important story in a very sort of like almost blase way there was a a review I I read on Letterboxd and I'm really sorry to the person who wrote it because I forgot to note your name down who said that they felt that the film and the score were both cheerful to a fault and I think I land in that Mm. in that in that sort of ballpark as well where I just felt like they didn't feel like there was any gravitas because the film's called The Great Escape and you know that it's not called The Great Escape because it works yeah <laughs> it's called The Great Escape because it's a really fucking big escape yeah. and like aside from the sort of quantity of people that get out it doesn't feel like a great escape to me mm. because it just feels like a real long slog until we get there Mm. and the music's trying to indicate to me that like we're having quite a fun time and I'm like but I'm not I'm really bored. it does feel like sometimes it's <laughs> the, the, the pacing was out because they do all this yeah. escape but there's no they felt like there was no urgency to it even when they were running away and mm. I find I sort of thought about it when watching it and just after finishing watching it that if this film was remade today its tone would probably be very different and it would, would be do you know what it would probably be more. yeah it would probably be like way down the other end of the spectrum and then i'd probably dislike it because it was too, be too much and, yeah <laughs> exactly you want the happy medium there's no there. no there's no pleasing me i don't think with a war movie unfortunately <laughs> i think because like i will be honest and say that like there's a very small handful of war movies that i like yeah. and usually it's the ones that present me with almost a sort of gimmick so like the best the best way to describe it would probably be like so my two two war movies that I could rattle off the top of my head that I like are 1917 and Dunkirk Mm -hmm. and I think because 1917 is presented as ostensibly one long shot it feels like the stakes are way high like it feels like you are on that journey with that guy he's got to get here or people are gonna do a dead and it's all very sort of like claustrophobic and then it's very sort of like uh, and it gives you like that scale of like Mm. um you know sometimes it's very close to their faces so you you feel claustrophobic and then other times it's very like almost shot from above and you just think they're never gonna get there on top and there's this whole uh, and then with Dunkirk it's like told to you entirely out of order from three different (laughs) viewpoints so you so a lot of the movie you're actually spending trying to sort of almost piece it together yourself it's more like a jigsaw puzzle than a film um whereas this to me felt like it was a war movie but also it wasn't really a war movie and also it didn't really have any stakes and it just wasn't really striking me in the adventure sort of caper sort Mm of funny bone either so it just felt like a like a deflated balloon to me Mm. and I don't know whether it was also let down a bit because I was expecting a lot because like obviously I knew that it was one of Lee's favourite films but also it's not like just a case of like oh this is one of my friend's favourite films it's like literally lauded as one of the best movies whatever exactly. movie <laughs> yeah because we because we, we both had similar expectations because we both know it's one of like Lee's faves but also it, it's a highly regarded movie you know yeah. it's like it's considered one of the like top films ever and so you, you automatically even like with today I keep saying like even with the films that get released today that have got so much hype behind them and then you go and watch it and you're all hyped and excited and they're just a little bit let down and it just sometimes stints the the film itself a little bit 
because you're expecting so much from it. And like you, I would not say that this is a bad movie at all. It's not. It's a very good movie. It's very well done. It just it just didn't hit the marks for me. Yeah, it was a thousand percent the epitome of not for you, Stace. Yeah, (laughs) is what this was. I think that's what this podcast is about. We're not, you know, it's not we're all just picking our favourite films. You know, it's it's like we want to, you know, the whole point of this is seeing films that are classics or well-regarded or big movies. Mm -hmm. Do they hold up? Have they aged? What do they, you know, what do they look like with fresh eyes? Yeah. You know? And I think expectation is a big part of that. I mean, it's 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 baked into the premise of the the remit of the show is that we're looking we're going to these films going, these are supposed to be big yeah, films. Yeah. These are supposed to be classics. So you are going to be looking at them with the eyes of does this hold up to its reputation? Yeah. Sometimes that's not gonna happen. We you know, our remit isn't to like every film that we review. Yeah. It's it's to be honest about what we what what the experience is watching this for the first time, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's going to be like with Rear Window, that's going to hit really mm. full on square, and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I know being a wolf movie, this wouldn't necessarily tick your genre box. Same as with westerns and stuff like that, in the same way you know, rom-coms and, you know, musicals would have to work harder mm. to 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 work for me, you know? Yeah. But I but I think I think that's completely legit. I think, you know, you're gonna get a lot of hate and I think you're gonna deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I'll be carrying the pitchforks and the flaming torches at the front. But um, <laughs> but that's that's what it's about. It's not about, you know, we're not we're not here to just, you know, go, oh yeah. Here's another great film. Like, I'm I'm just glad that we've all seen Goodfellas, so I don't have to sit <laughs> through that again because so that would be horrendous. I love that film. I love that film so much. <laughs> but I what? mean, so you, you know, I'm a Scorsese fan, so yeah, I yeah, I, I I hate Goodfellas. So and you know, we've all seen Joker, so we don't need to go there neither. Thank oh, God. So, so anyway, we can yeah. be going on a bit, so we should wrap up. But I just wanted yes. to add one, yeah. one bit because uh, yeah. we were talking about Elmer Bernstein and and the and the score. I completely disagree with everything you said, but we'll leave that. Um, <laughs> I, I know, I know, Jenny's a big Spielberg fan. Yes. And what what I, an interesting factoid I thought was uh, obviously um, when Spielberg met John Williams for the first time, he knew they were going to hit it off. Because they, he realised they were, they both had copies of the Great Escape score, and you know John Williams was the only other person he knew who had a copy of the Great Escape score. <laughs> now there's a little bit of um, in in the score, each character has their own little light motif variation on the main theme. Mm-hmm. Now Angus Lenny's version, Ives, the little little squeaky Scottish guy, yeah, his is a little fluty bit. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, I mean, you have you have you seen 1941, the Spielberg comedy 1941? Nope, nope, not yet. Okay, so that's another <laughs> one for the list. But if you listen to the score for that, the whole score, the whole theme and major score is built around that little six note or seven note. Oh, break. nice. 
Uh, and the, the whole major theme of, of 1941 comes from, it's like he took that little bit and just yeah. blew that up into the main score. No pun intended. Excellent. So, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so with that, I think I'm done. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I don't want to say anything further about this film either because I've not really got much more. Okay, so who's, whose pick is it next time? It's Stacey's next time. Yes, so that would okay. be me. Introduce the film I'm going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, like, I, I really hope you don't hate it, but I'm so confused as to how this one will go down. Um, so I've chosen uh, the 2016 anime movie, Your Name, which is probably the most recent film we've got on our on our books at the moment but in terms of anime movies i think it definitely fits the bill because it is that one film where people go oh you know what anime should i watch everybody everywhere who's seen it will say absolutely watch your name this is this instance um i saw it a few years ago absolutely fell in love with it showed it to my mom she fell in love with it i've been banging on about it all over twitter for <laughs> for the the several years since i first saw it so um i'm really excited slash tentative to see what you guys think of it (laughs) i mean i haven't i honestly haven't watched a lot of anime i've watched a little bit of um, like studio uh, ghibli and all that Mm -hmm. a little bit here and there of those now i don't think i've seen this but i'm also not 100 percent certain because i had to watch some anime during my masters when we did comic book films and and so anime was a, a like a large section of that module um, and I did get to watch some cracking good films uh, mm-hmm. during that module. So I'm intrigued to see if, if it is this, because sometimes my memory, as you all know, is not the strongest on when I've just watched a new film um, that's a bit different. So I think I read up on it and I've got a funny feeling I have. But we'll find out. We will find out. <laughs> well, I'm definitely not. So this is definitely one of my never scenes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that was never seen, but we have now The Great Escape. Uh, so where can people find you if they wish to, Stacey? Uh, you can mostly find me lurking around on the Twitter account for my podcast, which is Stacey's Parlour. Stacey with me, Parlour with you. And you can find the podcast at popcultureparlour.podbean.com. Lovely. And Lee? Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at lovelylee underscore G. Super. And you can find me, Jenny, at angelj5. You can also find the podcast. We have our own Twitter feed as well at neverseen underscore pod. That's at neverseen underscore pod. And we will release there all the new information about each episode as and when they are to drop. And reminders that you must go and listen to all the others because they're all excellent. Yeah, uh, that, what she said. Mm-hmm. And you should absolutely go and listen to them. So, you know, do that. If this is your first time listening to us, go back and listen to the others. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to us, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's only three. You can catch up dead quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we've done Hitchcock, we've done Werewolves and Turtles. Not in the same film, obviously. Or were they? You'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> So until next time, when we watch the 2016 anime movie, Your Name, this is Jenny signing off and Lee. I hate you both. Bye. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Stacey. I love you both, Tara, a bit. Until next time, friends, this is Never Seen. Bye.